Welcome to the Metox podcast. I'm Fran Dargaville, a functional nutritionist. My home base is in Sydney, Australia, but you'll just as often find me following the sunshine and warmer weather around the world, and of course, hunting down all the best coffee shops while I'm at it. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions, and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello, everyone. This is the very first interview on the Metox podcast. And get prepared, guys. It's awesome. Today's guest is Mitch Woods. Mitch is a performance coach with a background in sports science and strength and conditioning. Mitch has 10 years of experience in the fitness industry and he's worked in loads of high-performance environments, including the Manly Sea Eagles, Cronulla Sharks, Australian Institute of Sport, Sydney Swans and more. During this time, he's also been personal training individuals and groups, as well as managing fitness teams. Not only does Mitch have this sports and fitness and movement approach, he also teaches meditation and mindfulness, which is a big part of what we'll be chatting about in this interview. All of this aside, he's really just a down-to-earth, open and inspiring human, and I'm sure you'll love this episode and learn loads from Mitch. So let's dive into the interview. Hey Mitch, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Fran. Good to be here. Yeah, well, I used to do a lot of sailing as a teenager and in my early 20s, and Mitch was an awesome personal trainer at the Yacht Club gym. So, Mitch, you've been in this field for a long time. Yeah, I, um, well, I finished school in 04. And even in the years prior to finishing, I um, have been either studying fitness and or working in it. So, yeah, it's been over 10 years. It's been an amazing journey. And I'm um, yeah, really grateful that I found what I loved like earlier in life. It's just been such a yeah blessed journey. It's been great. Mm, yeah, that's so awesome. I'm finding so many people now, including myself, um, that are on this sort of health journey. And this is really like a you know, a second career discovering this. So you're super lucky to have discovered that. Yeah, I, like lucky, but also I think you've got to be brave mm. to pursue what you love. Mm. And, you know, there's been a multitude of different times throughout my career, many, many days where I just sort of look at the stars and wonder if I need to keep trawling my way through this. But um, you just got to follow your bliss and... That's the only rule I've really kept to is just following where I feel like my heart wants me to keep going. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And you've also evolved big time. So you've been in the same industry, but you were more sort of really sports and fitness based and you still do a lot of that sort of stuff now, but you've really evolved into sort of mindfulness and um, meditation and all that sort of thing as well. So what has that evol- evolution been like? Can you share us share with us a little bit about that process? Yeah, good question. So you're right. Um, my career has always been like running that physical space. I guess I've always had a passion for the mind and you sort of see positive quotes coming out 10 years ago and um, different things like that. And I always just loved the idea of could I train the mind as well as I can train the physical body. Uh, and a really pivotal moment and thing that happened in my life was 10 years ago exactly uh, I went on a snowboarding trip to Canada with like 23 guys from my high school 
and um, we're in British Columbia, Canada, snowboarding. And in the summer, they have these like little mini tracks that mountain bike riders use. But in the winter, they fill with snow and it's really cool to snowboard through. And I ended up smashing my hip into a tree and um, doing a bit of damage there. Finished oh my off God. The, yeah, it was huge. I finished off the trip okay. I could still manage to snowboard a few hot baths and ibuprofens later. That was fine. But when I got home and got back to my lifestyle as a trainer and coach, I just noticed this catching and it just felt off and months and months of physio passed. And then they were like, I saw a surgeon. He was like, you need to have surgery on this. I was like, wow, okay. Mm. So then a few months later passed. This is when I'm in my second year of university and I'd really committed to a life of fitness training. I'd done Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness. I'd done a diploma in fitness. I'm halfway through a degree. I'd already done an internship at the Manly Seagulls in my first year of uni. I'd really like dedicated myself to this craft. And I remember after I'd had the surgery and it was all said and done, it was cool. I had a hip, hip arthroscope. It was ra rather simple for them to do that. And I remember the surgeon sort of saying, well, what do you do as a career? And I said, well, I'm a fitness coach and I'm in, in, interested in sport uh, and developing the art of being a strength and conditioning coach. And he was like, oh, I really think you need to change careers. Wow. And I remember that moment. And when you're a bit younger, I was 22 at the time, like the magnitude of a professor, doctor, surgeon kind of guy saying, yeah, man, you need to switch it up. It was mm. really shattering. And after that, I struggled with what I was going to be doing with my life. I was angry. I was frustrated. Just hated the universe. I was like, why me? Victim mentality, the whole thing. Mm. Um, and that went on for a while. And the yacht club that you mentioned at the start where you used to train out and I used to work out, um, my boss and you know, Mick Miller, mm. great guy. One of the, you know, most helpful people that's ever come into my life. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, Oh, Mitch has got the bear suit on today. And what he means by that is that I was grumpy and I was not being my authentic self. Mm. And I just was letting this injury define me and derail my vision of what I thought that was for me in the future. So fortunately I, I was surrounded by a couple of interesting people at the time, Mick being one of them who meditated. And, um, you know, I, just like all things, I did a little bit of research and I read that you could ultimately change your whole perspective and outlook on certain things, things that have happened in your life, um, the way you, you know, the lens that you look through life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit and see if I can, um, essentially bring more happiness back to my life. And I met a guy called Gary Goro. He used to practice, uh, in Avalon. He's since moved up to Byron Bay and, and runs his uh, meditation teaching up there as well as, um, some retreats that he's doing. So if anyone wants to check out him, he's a great, a great guy to connect with and yeah I got into it that was transcendental meditation um, or you know people call it Vedic meditation um, mm. which that's what the specific type that Gary and the guys that he'd um, come from were teaching and yeah the, the fact that I started to meditate and just change myself from the inside out was how I started to evolve on all levels yeah mm. Wow. So do you still practice the same type of meditation? Mm. 
No, I don't actually. Um, so that type of meditation is using a mantra. Mm -hmm. And well, there's two types of meditation. There's single point focus meditation where you might focus on a mantra or your breath, a candle, something that you're focusing on. And when your mind wanders off, you come back to that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and another type is like contemplative. Mm. You might sort of ask yourself like, who am I? And let your mind wander off and see, um, you know, where you land. But I guess coming back to your question of, yeah, do I do that same practice? No, ever since sort of Gary moved, um, you know, things change and different people come into your life and different influences. And I was in Kentucky at an internship working with college football players and my now wife, girlfriend back then was also interested in meditation and um, she we had both been being coached by uh, another mentor and you know she suggested um, Vipassana which is 10 day silent meditation retreat and my wife at the back end of that Kentucky trip expedition we'll call it she went and did that and after she came back from that um, she said you're going to have to do this if we're going to sort of stay together. She felt like she was a completely different person and mm. she'd done the same stuff as me, Vedic meditation, all that. Um, and funnily enough, at the end of that trip, that Kentucky trip, we found out we we're going to have a baby. Mm. So like I'm there, no money, no job, no car, no nothing coming home um, with the notion that I'm going to need a father in less than nine months. And I just didn't feel ready for that. And so with Taryn having done the Vipassana meditation, I was like, cool, I'm going to find a time for 10 days prior to this baby coming for me to stop, disconnect from all things and just fully go in to me and figure out me for 10 days. And I still practice that. I won't really sort of like uh, ruin it for everyone who needs to or wants to go do Vipassana, but a large part of the initial process of learning that technique and evolving within it for 10 days is solely fo focused around your breath and focusing on your breath. And uh, I don't do it every day um, at the moment, just with everything going on. I haven't made that the, the number one priority, um, but I used to every day. And so I'll do it every second or third day. And that is, yeah, sitting down and focusing on my breath for 20 minutes once a day. So yeah, going from Vedic meditation, experimenting with, experimenting with a few other things, but now sitting firmly with my breath regularly is um, yeah, keeping me quite happy. Mm. So you do these sort of things regularly. That sort of when you feel that you need it in your life, that you come back to it, or you try and make sort of mindfulness practices part of your life every day as well. Or how does that look for you? Well, for me, I guess uh, being mindful is a practice it's a lifestyle a gateway to being mindful is to practice meditation meditation is the skill building the practice the technique that enables you to um, expand on that mindfulness mm. um, it's really simple you know when you brush your teeth every day morning and night mm. you know when you don't do it right and your yeah. teeth are fuzzy <laughs> so for me, it's quite obvious either that I'm losing patience, mm. I'm not focused, I'm not in the moment, I'm not feeling happy. I know I need to sit and just recalibrate and reconnect and come back to my very centre, which I believe in everyone is quite 
calm, collected, refined. And then I work from that place. Mm. So that's how I know I need to come back to it. It's just, just feedback. Mm. I'm quite aware of that. Yeah. So how is the way that you actually work with clients evolved? Because I know you still do um, some of the in-person training and that sort of thing. How do you incorporate these practices that you've learned with, with that as well? Mm. Or what does that look like? Well, meditation is a real perfect fit for exercise because the nature of exercise is to deliver an acute form of stress to someone. Uh, and with what's going on in everyone's lives, family, jobs, mortgages, I've got to be the best because I believe if I'm the best, everyone's going to think I'm cool. All these things, all these external stresses, um, meditation is great because all of that stuff that I just mentioned, it's very sympathetic. It's very fight or flight and it's pushing our nervous system into a certain direction. The cool thing about meditation, scientifically proven, is that it drives and excites and fires up your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and recovery part of that. So the thing that I sort of sell meditation to with people, it's like, okay, you want to be an elite performer. You want to uh, push your body. You want to create change in a corporate environment. You're basically asking yourself to go to somewhere where you've never been. And that's really sympathetic fight or flight. You're really pushing that into town. The only way you're going to be able to back up and do that every day and create that change in the world that you want to see for yourself and others is if you take time to pull back. And this is a really simple phrase I learned in strength conditioning. It's like your next session is only as good as your last recovery. So in my world, it's, it's a recovery tool. There's other factors that come into it. Uh, it helps you, you come to a calmer part of your mind. It helps you achieve higher levels of focus uh, and also to display high levels of resilience. And um, there's a really good podcast I listen to and the guy who runs it is the psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. And he talks about the mind not being extra. We know that nutrition's important and we do that. We know that exercise is important and we do that. But that third, that third fear or that third um, element to that is the mind. The mind is not extra in your needing to grow forward. It's fundamental. And so I have that kind of chat with people and just explain them, well, you want to go after big things? Great. Well, you need to recover hard. You want to go after big things? Your mind needs to be right here, right now, in the present moment, accessing 100% of yourself now. Not in the future, not worrying about what happened in the past, just being really present and true to yourself is going to be, in my opinion, one of the key fundamental ways to improving your life. Mm, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people I talk to, um, you know, maybe they've used an app or something like that and it just didn't really work for them and they they struggled a little bit with that so could you maybe just talk us through if someone um you know can relate to that they've tried meditation and they struggled or they can't you know shut up their mind or switch off their mind what's something a sort of a simple practice that they could go and try today to sort of start working towards integrating that meditation or mindfulness well let's <clears throat> that's a good question you speak to people and they're like, I can't, I can't meditate. My mind's too busy. I can't do it. So therefore, in my opinion, like that person's one of the greatest candidates ever for meditation. And, you know, if you can breathe, 
you can meditate. There's no, um, and that's the cool thing about breath meditation. Everyone's got a breath. Everyone can access it. Um, and another thing to, to debunk in that is when people sit and commit to meditation in the chair with their eyes closed, if thoughts are present, that's not a bad thing. That's part of the process. People think if my mind's not empty straight away, I'm doing this wrong. If you can imagine um, you drop a pebble into the ocean, you know, and there's a big storm at the top of the ocean at the time, you drop the pebble. The pebble's the meditation. At, at the surface level where there's the waves and the crashing is the busy mind. It's the, I've got to worry about dinner or what about when I go pick up the kids and your mind just gets pulled in every different direction. Over time, when you sit and commit to a lifestyle of calming yourself down and coming back to the center of yourself, that pebble will drop naturally from the top of that crazy ocean, busy waves, everything like that, down to this really still and placid place. So I guess just to sort of debunk it, it's just nothing you're going to be amazing at. Some people are, and they're just like monks and they can just get it. I'm sure that's possible. But for most people, like, you know, me, myself, personally, like, I struggled with that for a long time. And even still after eight years of solid meditation, every day I still have to come back to my breath and calm myself down. And that's an ongoing process. Depending if I've had a big, busier week as well, there can be more stress versus other times when I'm on holidays and I don't have to think about anything, it's probably easier to drop into. Um, so I hope that sort of debunks like that idea that if people sit and they're busy, they're doing it wrong. It's actually just part of the process. And back to the next part of your question, which is like, what can people do? The technique I teach and share with people is super simple. Sit upright in a chair, close your eyes and focus on your breath and allow that effortless breath to come in your nose or your mouth, depending on if your nose is blocked um, and out your nose and just to focus on the sensation. And the magic happens within that when you're focusing on the sensation of the effortless breath that's coming in and out of your nose and then your mind grabs you and you're taken to the movie you watched last night. Now, the cool part about this is it doesn't matter if your mind wanders. It's when you notice that you've lost your mind that you come back to your effortless sensation of your breath. And that's it. It's, it's the moment of awareness that you've noticed your mind has been wandering. And that's the mental pattern you're trying to build. Oh, my mind's wandered. No worries. That's cool. I'm just going to bring it back to this breath. And you're bringing it back to now. You're bringing it back to the center of you. You're really allowing yourself to you know, come back to your true essence in that moment. And the more often you can do that in your 20-minute or 10-minute practice every day, the more then you can too transfer that to your everyday life in your mindfulness practice, eyes open meditation, as it was said to me in the past. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds... And I think also I think a lot of us think we have to use these apps and that sort of thing, but in some cases they can be actually quite distracting, I find, you know, people's different accents or music that, that you don't necessarily... Um, like and that sort of thing you don't find relaxing so I guess it's finding what's going to work for you and and giving it a chance and you know exploring what is the right thing for for each person I suppose mm. there's a guy getting around at the moment called David Goggins he's like a navy navy ex-dude have you seen this guy no he's I like a, the name though <laughs> he's a savage he um <clears throat> but 
but he talks about this thing in exercise where we have to be comfortable or have a perfect situation. We've got our earphones on, we've got our Lorna James on, we've got the right runners, and then we've got to go into the battle of exercise and go to a place that we've never gone to before, but we're still trying to maintain that level of comfort. Where it's like, if you take yourself to an oval by yourself, no earphones, and you've got to run around that thing 10 times with no personal trainer, no external support other than you yourself, you're going to get so much more and learn so much more out of that if you just do that on your own. So I feel like, yeah, the apps and everything, I've actually never done one. I've just heard about them in general. I guess it's a nice sort of lean in to what it could be like to meditate on your own. But the way I was taught and the way I teach people, it's like give people the skill set, give people the technique, and then hand it over to them to have their journey. There's no right and wrong as such, as long as you keep coming back to the basic essentials of whenever your mind wanders off, don't get angry, upset, depressed, whatever. Just know that it's highly natural that your mind wanders off and come back to your technique, whatever that is, a mantra, a breath. And I think there's power in that because it's self-realization, self-actualization. No one's holding your hand through the inner sanctum of your mind. You know and feel comfortable that your technique is good or the technique that's been shared with you and the way in which you can use it is good. And that's refined over time as well. But there's something about sitting on your own and going into your self that is just the most profound and effective thing people can do to shift their consciousness. Mm, mm, I love that. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. I'd love to talk a little bit about nutrition because I know you shared recently that you had a long stint of not eating any animal foods and that sort of thing <laughs> and you've reintroduced those. And I yeah. think it's a huge challenge for a lot of us because we want to do you know, the right thing by the planet and we want to do the right thing for our health and we want to do the right thing, um, you know, uh, ethically and, and that sort of thing. And it's really, um, you know, it's difficult to to make these choices and know what, is, you know, what's the right information and what's the right thing for us. And I think we've all got to sort of go on that journey a little bit for ourselves. But could you share what that was like for you, that process? Yeah, I guess it would um, be better to share my whole kind of, not the whole thing of nutrition, yeah. but I used to be really overweight when mm -hmm. I was in year eight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember sitting at home after school eating Sara Lee banana cake out of the, the aluminium tray, like after school, yeah. <laughs> you can imagine, right? And like, I wasn't like obese, but I was definitely overweight. And so these are the kind of things that I used to do in my youth. Mm. You know, we don't need to go into why I was eating poorly and overweight as such, but um, we can. But I got to high school and I just noticed that like girls didn't like me. I just wasn't getting along socially. I just, you know, it's such a hectic time in our lives trying to figure out how to fit in. Mm. And so I was like, I'm fat. I'm going to send this body around the block a few times and see if I can burn a bit of weight off. And I did. And I was really successful at that. And I got quite lean. And I ended up, this is what helped me get into strength and conditioning really, was that I ended up being one of the fitter guys in my team. And I loved all that. And uh, I excelled at that. Um, but what I didn't change was my eating habits. So I'd still eat like, full dairy, full sugar, ice magic, ice cream after dinner. Like, but I was still trained hard. 
you know, it was like calories in, calories out, right? There was no ramification at all regarding whether it was organic, whether it was processed sugar, the whole deal. And so I lived like that for a long time. And then, you know, I had my hip injury. <clears throat> that didn't change me because instead of running, I switched to cycling. So I'm burning a lot of calories, still eating two heavily processed sandwiches after I went for a big bike ride. The whole, that whole thing. Carb loading, right? Yeah, exactly. I needed carbs. Old school. Like toasted pork sandwich or not pork, pork chop sandwiches and all sorts of stuff. It was crazy. I could eat whatever I wanted. Yeah. And then uh, in 2012, I just felt a bit off, not extremely off, but I went and had a blood test and I found out that I had hypothyroidism. I had increased blood cholesterol. Uh, and a few other inflammatory markers were suggesting, you know, this isn't good. And from then I um, had to switch it up. I was like, oh, well, what's going on here? I'm exercising a lot. I can swim 2Ks in a pool. I'm dominating all these things. Like, why is this happening? And it's like, well, exercise is stressful. Eating the wrong foods is stressful. Living a life where you're doing things to make other or to get other people to think that you're valuable rather than living a life from your own self-worth and self-values and things like that. I used to live a lot like that. Mm. And so I think that's all pretty toxic and corrosive. And over a period of time, if you keep living in that space, something's going to give. And for me, the way I work is that my awareness is that if there's a physical awareness of something that I need to fix, like I will see that and tend to it. And that's just the way I work. So anyway, I got into whole foods from then. No processed sugar. I, I, don't, I didn't do a lot of gluten, no, um, no dairy, no alcohol or very little alcohol, pharmaceutical drugs, drugs, you name it, like just went away from all that. I didn't go organic, but I was um, eating more in that space. And um, the years went on and I just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. Like I never seen any changes in my thyroid uh, markers or uh, my cholesterol for that matter. And so I was like, I'm going to step this up. And I was like, I'm going full veggie, juicing, juice fasting, eating fruits and veggies predominantly only. And to see if that world of detoxification was going to help me go to the next level of my health or help me clean that up. And I did that for a number of years. I lost a lot of weight, but still thyroid isn't present, still cholesterol, da, 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 da. And... This year we had a really hectic year in our family. So my mum passed away. Our second child was born a week later. Wow. Um, a few months after that, my grandma passed away. Um, Taryn uh, developed postnatal depression after that. Mm. So all these things sort of culminated and for Taryn and myself and we just had no energy. Well, I had no energy. Taryn would eat different to me, but I was just eating plants and I was just like, man, I'm just, I'm not feeling like I'm here. And I guess what I felt was, and I know what I felt was I just needed to eat like a caveman. I just, it felt really strong and obvious. And what that means to me is that, you know, if you flip it back a couple of thousand years or whatever, when we're sort of evolving on this planet, we're eating off the land. And what does that look like? We're probably randomly killing some animal every couple of days and eating it. We're definitely eating a lot of um, vegetation, plants, vegetables, roots, 
berries, nuts, seeds. It's all a very sort of simplistic natural diet. And that's just where I feel like I needed to come to to gain traction with all those highly charged emotional things happening. And it helped. Mm. It was We eat all organic, 100% organic. All the meat's organic, the fruit and veg, the water's clean. And it just felt like I got to come home to my body. And I don't count calories. I don't do any of that. I just feel what I need. And what I need is to be grounded and present and I feel the food is a great way to drive that energetic tone for yourself to be a great parent, to be a great entrepreneur, to go on and do what you need to do. You need to have your two feet firmly pressed on the ground energetically, nutritionally, mentally, psychologically, and the food in its evolution has brought me back to that place. Mm. Yeah. And how are, you, how are you feeling now in that, in that process? Are you feeling... You know, like it's still the right thing. How long has that been? Yeah, I, I added another thing into it as well. I do um, intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So I'll shoot for somewhere between 16, 18 hours of between eating a meal. So mm-hmm. I'll eat dinner at 7 mm-hmm. and I'll eat breakfast at 10 or 12 the next day. Mm-hmm. And just listening to a lot of people talk about longevity and the way in which we've evolved, um, yeah, the fasting just feels like an, an, another facet to add into that living off the land lifestyle that my physiology, I feel, really works well with. So how do I feel? I feel amazing. Like you're looking at a dude right now who has a daughter who doesn't sleep. <laughs> and I got up this morning and I've already trained people. And yeah. I'm here with vigor and passion and expression, A, because I love this, but B, I have a practice and a process nutritionally married up with organic food and fasting that delivers me Mm. and I love that Mm. yeah Yeah, that's awesome that's really cool and I think you know it is a process for a lot of people about finding the right thing for you but if you're trying something and it's it's not working I think a lot of people will you know try the ketogenic diet or um, vegan Mm. diet or whatever it is for various reasons and, you know, if it's not working, of course, there's giving it a chance and, and troubleshooting and that sort of thing. But you need to look at what's going on and, um, you know, ask if, ask, ask if it's the right thing for you. Maybe go um, get some lab testing and, and that sort of thing as well, if need be. And just, and just check what's going on with your body because what works for you for a period of time may not be the right thing for you over, over a, long, a long time. So you've got to find whatever it, it is that's going to work for you. Mm. I kind of marry up my shifting level of consciousness with my progression or changing of foods. And you said it just then, it's like, what is good for you now might not be very good for you in two or five years time. And you need to really be in tune with your body as to what it's needing. And yeah, that's just a super essential point. Mm. So I think there's sort of two groups of people that are listening to this. So there's the people that are already eating, you know, real food, organic food and that sort of thing. And then the people that, um, you know, are aware of that and really want to do that, but just find the whole, um, you know, process of, of cutting out these foods sort of overwhelming. How, how have you found that process and how, um, how would you, you know, recommend that to clients and that sort of thing? Because, I mean, for me, it's been such a long process and, um, 
you know, it's now it's just second nature for me and it's so easy to just opt for real food. But I, I can see that this is a challenging process for people to integrate these things into their, into their life. Yeah, that is a great one. Me too. It's been a really long process, but I believe that if every day you wake up and you are choosing to love yourself and choosing to want to lay down the face, the foundations of a better lifestyle, um, you can do that. And, and that's sort of what I'm bringing people, what I'm bringing people back to. I bring them back to, okay, what kind of life do you want to lead? What do you want to do on this planet? You're going to need great energy. You're going to need like some super duper energy if you're going after big things. And I think everyone has a dream. So I bring it back to that. And, I, and everyone's passionate about their dreams. Some people are share, scared to share it. But if you dig around enough with love, they share it with you. And it's like, okay, you know, one being zero, you know, low and 10 being the best score ever. What percentage are you at right now on living the things that you need to live to make that dream a reality? And if you've established that trust and that vulnerability in that conversation, people say, you know, 40. So I'm like, dude, you've got 60% to go. Right. What does that look like? And we know food's going to be an important thing. So it's got to, you've got to really hit someone on the high level motivational point before they're going to make the changes needed to drink clean water to maybe not have uh, processed sugar anymore. But I think once you've established that and there's that passion and that drive as to why they're going to do these steps, you just start small. Like I started with like processed, I started with grains actually. That was the first thing I did. Breads, pastas, refined starchy stuff. That was my thing. Pasta, bread, wheat bix every day three meals a day every day i was the carb monster who needs vegetables when you can just yeah when you're eating brown shit yeah exactly (laughs) so that's what i started with and i struggled with that and i worked with a really good coach called allison riley uh she's a good friend of mine and been a really good helper in my life um and she coached me to have different ways of fueling my body so just replacing those heavier starchy things and that's where i started so I guess it's picking the biggest areas that people need to change and just making a small change. And once you've cemented that, you know, 21 days to make a habit or 31 days to really, really to cement that into your lifestyle. And then you move on to the next one because you know, you have a dream and a passion in your life. You need to fuel that thing correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your big vision then? Cause I think, what I've um, realized by getting into this field, I come across more and more people who have these really exciting visions. And by sharing that and starting to live into that, the people in your life can sort of, um, it gives them permission to start to uh, live into that as well. So I would love to know what that looks like for you. Um, Sorry to throw you in the deep end. (laughs) So I love this note, this thought idea. And it's, I am a masterpiece and a working in progress at one time. My, what I feel right now in the moment, what my biggest vision for myself is that I want to be a world-class high-performance coach. And what does that mean? It means that I have a certain skill set that 
is true, tried and trusted and can be implemented to individuals and groups, depending on what their goals are, to get them to create the most profound change in their lives to assist them to going after their collective organizational focus, their personal focus. Like, I feel like I'm living my dream every day and I'm doing things to keep stepping into that vision. And so I just want to share that lifestyle and to tell everyone that you don't have to go and do a job that you don't like doing, to go on buying stuff that doesn't make you happy, to go on doing a job that you don't like doing, to go on buying stuff that doesn't make you happy. You can live a fulfilled life where your soul is spilling out into the world and you're doing your best work. So that's my dream. Boom. Um, but how is it playing out at the moment? Right now with work, I am a health and fitness manager at Energize Health Club and I work with a group of 10 personal trainers. Some of them are more established and they don't need me so much. But the ones that are coming into this game, new, I've got 10 years plus experience as a fitness coach and strength conditioning coach. So my dream and how like that bigger vision is playing out, I'm connecting it. Right now it's about supporting new trainers to be successful and I'm loving that. I'm loving the coaching the coaches thing. I still love working with individuals and training people physically. I still love the meditation. I'm running a course in um, December 10 up at Energize Health Club if you're interested. Uh, so I love all that. But I'm just loving the help and the difference that I'm making to these new cats coming into the fitness industry. And did you know, like, in... Three to six months after a trainer joining, it's about an 80% dropout rate. Wow. And I feel like I've got some really good skills and techniques, business, personal relationship and training stuff that these guys can use to get through that and to stay in the industry that they love and then to evolve like me. So that's the dream now. And then there's the bigger one that I'm stepping into every day more and more, I believe. That's so awesome. Cool. I love that. So what I would love to know is what a typical day, I mean, there's probably no typical days, but what that would look like for you in terms of um, maybe if you integrate mindfulness or meditation, um, training, what you eat, um, you know, everything in your life, I suppose, what that would, what that would look like. Okay. So like the, per, like what I'm doing now to generate as much energy as I possibly can. Is that the question? Yeah. I suppose just a typical day. I think People would love to have a little bit of an insight into what okay. that would look so like. So the day starts the evening before the day. So I'm getting into bed these days, anywhere between 8.30, 9 and 9.30. An amazing book, Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, is like mind-blowing. If you're not getting seven to nine hours of sleep, you're doing yourself a massive disservice in your ability to kill the next day. So Question. Yo. Because there might be people with young kids listening, so they're probably going to wonder how you actually manage to get the sleep if you have young kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't. Kids. I haven't you slept don't. in four years. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean I do my best. Yeah. You know, I uh, my phone's got the blue light thing turned off if I'm on it at night. Uh, lately, we just haven't really been watching a lot of TV, which has been nice towards the end of the evening. Um, so yeah, don't anyone think that like I'm some superhuman who's banging out seven or nine hours of sleep every night. I'm not like last night was 
here, here's a nine-month-old baby, 2.30 a.m. She's like sleeping on me or next to me, so my sleep is broken. And then Orlando, our four-year-old, or he's four on the 6th of December, comes in and he wants to lie next to daddy. So I'm sandwiched next to these two children uh, and they're both waking me up at intermittent times throughout that next part of the evening. But um, somehow I still manage to get about five or six or seven, depending on the night. So yeah, I'm no superhuman in that area, but I do my best. I get to bed early. I can control what I can control and I do my best at that. And I'm happy with that. Yeah, and that's I think that's a good way to look at it as well because a lot of people... You know, they might leave it till 11 o'clock to go to bed and then these other things happen. They get woken up or something like that. And then you only end up getting a few hours sleep, which is just, you know, really not enough for anyone. So if you can set yourself up for success as much as possible by going to bed at, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, then even if you have those disruptions, you're going to be getting like closer to the amount of sleep that you yeah. need. I think another thing to touch on in that, it's like, it's true. It's real. People are... Going to bed early, waking up early people. There's people who like to stay up late and wake up late. Now, the beauty of Taryn and my relationship is that I go to bed early and I like to wake up early. She would rather stay up late and go and wake up late in the morning, right? So she gets Hermione at the start of the night and I go to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock and I'm getting 8.30, 9.30, 10. I'm getting at least five hours until she's over it. And then she wants to click into sleep mode. And then I'm getting Hermione at two. So you just find your way. That's how we do it in our household. But I think you really need to honor your circadian rhythm and where that sits for you in mm. sleep. So yeah, I hope that gives you a bit more insight into my sleep diaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, yeah, so what else in your typical day? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah. Breakfast. Well, I'm not having breakfast. I'm intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. and I love that. I feel I feel so much energy, and that takes a while to find. That your body, um, well, for me personally, I, I find there's a lot of uh, energy on the back end of not having to digest so much food. So that's what I'm doing in the morning. But first thing, I'm having a shower when I wake up, and I'm just washing my body, brush my teeth, hair, the whole thing in warm water, and then I'm turning the tap onto as cold as it possibly can go. And I'm doing three minutes of cold water, not immersion, but um, contact with the body. And that's, you know, I'm not really that technically sound on the physiological benefits with that, but I know there's a rush of epinephrine, norepinephrine. I know there's a vasoconstriction of, um, you know, your circulatory system and your lymphatic system driving things from your peripheral back to your central, all these things are going on. But the main thing for me, it's like I start the day doing something that I don't want to do. Who the hell wants to have a cold shower in their right mind? No one. <laughs> but if I can start the day doing something that I know I should do, that can really benefit me in kickstarting that day, um, yeah, I'm doing that. And then I progress to pretty much going to work. I've got clients from early times, 6, 6.30 a.m. So I'm expected to be a bright spark quite early in the day. Um, then a bit of work, a bit of admin stuff throughout the middle of the day I do dedicate my time to. I'll probably try and meditate <clears throat> if, I'm, if I can fit it in before that, <clears throat> pardon me, before that middle part of the day. And then lately I've been training. I'm coming back from a pretty significant injury at the moment <laughs> with my hip, but I'm training my upper body and I'm doing my lower body rehab at about 12, 1 o'clock. And then straight away after I train, I'm eating uh, uh, my first meal of the day. And so what time would that be? 
typically a first yeah, move? Yeah, it's usually after 12 these days. 12, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, it's usually in that ballpark where I'm eating my first meal straight away after I train. So I'm training fasted. And there's some really interesting stuff that's been coming out. I listened to the Ben Greenfield podcast the other day. And I apologize, but I forget the doctor's name. He's talking about, you know, he's testing lab rats that are doing intermittent fasting and the increased uh, endurance that these um, rats are having in a fasted state um, was just super interesting to me. And I feel that my exercise sessions are becoming more like beast-like when I'm not full of food. So that's been a really interesting thing to um, just having a personal account on. Mm. Uh, and then after that, I'm, I'm sort of done. Like I might train a few people in the afternoon and then it's family time. I'm home and it's like bath, dinner, bath, bed. And then, yeah, we do it all over again. Like that's kind of my life the last nine months. So definitely sleep's a priority for me. A cold shower in the morning's a priority. I'm intermittent fasting. I'm eating organic fruits, vegetables, meats, nuts, grains, seeds, um, and also that training session in the middle of the day as well, and then that meditation. So it sounds pretty comprehensive, but I've built that over 10 years, and I'm passionate about it because I've got big dreams, so I need to have a big motor, and I also need to have a big recovery program. And I don't think if you can talk, a, I don't believe you've earned the right to talk a big game if you do the stuff yourself. So... I hope that comes through mm. as true because that's how I live my life. Mm. And yeah, all of these things just become second nature after mm. you've been practicing for them for a while, like, you know, transitioning to real food or incorporating mm. meditation or, you know, self-care practices. Initially, it's it's really hard and it can be confronting to bring yourself back to those, but it just gets easier and easier, I've found. Yeah, I would agree. I think any of those things that I just mentioned, if you do it for three months, you will feel it in every part of your being and you'll go, yeah, this is sick. I'm going to keep doing it. And then you'll fall off because we're human and I've fallen off have practices and habits. And you notice when you do fall off, you feel yuck. You don't feel your most energetic self. I know you really value going for a swim in the ocean. Me too not after this surgery, but once this is all a bit better, I can go in the ocean. So I think it's about finding whatever it is that can raise your energetic vibration to a level where you can contribute to humanity and be of service. Um, once again, it comes back to that goal or your dream. If you're passionate about the dream and you want to execute your dream, you're going to need to be doing these things. And at the end of the day, if you can do it for a long enough period of time, you feel good. Who doesn't want to feel good? Mm. Who doesn't want to feel happy? Mm. Who doesn't want to feel connected to themselves? Who doesn't want to feel like they can make a difference in someone's life? And they're just such big motivating tools to want to do those practices and keep them up and make them a lifestyle. Mm, mm, totally. Yeah, I love that. So we just move into a couple of rapid fire questions. Um, so what is your favorite health hack right now? I mean, you share with us about the cold showers. Is there anything else you're, and the fasting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you've got some other ones. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm a bit of a, like I'm a sports scientist with the background in that. And there's this product on the market called uh, Halo Sport. And it's by this company called Halo Neuroscience. It looks like a set of headphones of which you can listen to music through except they have some electrodes on the band of the headphone 
and which is quite interesting because that band that you wear over the headphones, that is your motor cortex. And so you wear these headphones and the idea is that you wear, wear the headphones 20 minutes prior to training and these electrodes are sending in this low level electric um, current in there and it's stimulating your motor cortex. So that's the place where all your movement is derived from your brain through your central nervous system into your physical body. And what it's doing is it's priming the neurons in your brain to be at a higher state of readiness before exercise. So like me, I only did weights twice this week. And I, when this, I've ordered the headphones, they're coming this week. I'm going to love knowing. And if you look at the science on their website and the history of um, uh, electronic um, brain stimulation on stimulating different parts of the brain and what you can do with your body physically, it's just going to be a, a hack for me to be able to perform tasks. And I'm pretty much learning to walk at the moment again. So for me to have a brain that's more receptive to the new movement that's coming in and to have a, a system where I'm neurologically fired up, um, yeah, I'm excited about that, uh, that hack. Awesome, that's super fascinating. I haven't heard about those, but I'm gonna have to look into them. Yeah. So what's the most life-changing book you've read? Oh, that is a tough question. Um. Most life-changing book I ever read. Ooh. Recently, I read um, Aubrey Marcus, um, Own Your Day, Own Your Life. And the reason that I, like, I can't, I've read lots of books, but that in recent times has helped me through this year that I spoke about was really challenging. I needed to get back on this horse. I feel like I'm a dude and I'm in this space where I'm talking about vulnerability and love and connectedness and centeredness. But I'm just a, a dude who came from a footy background and I swear and I I just feel like I'm a normal guy, but I think people want to sort of brand me that I'm just this, I don't know, unattainable or odd, odd thing. That's how I feel. Some people don't know how to deal with me. Um, so it was really cool for me to see Aubrey to be like a full dude swearing in his book being a, like a guy, but being also super vulnerable and open. So I guess the reason why I feel that book has been a major game changer for me is because I feel like I can be my version of that. And he's shown me a way. He's running his own thing, we're very different, but I can still be the strength and conditioning lover of sport, but I can also be the, the guy who loves to love stuff, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be emotional and not that he gave me permission, he just showed me that it was possible on a really high level. So that book's been super valuable for me. I think we're going to have to do another entire podcast about that because that's something I really want to talk more about because I think it's just not enough of a conversation that's going on about that at the moment, just being being authentic and especially for, for guys, being able to explore, you know, uh, meditation and, and different things and, um, you know, following your passions and being open versus, you know, still being able to be into sports and, you know, still having your friends and, and yeah. being a guy. Yeah. 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 I, we can have that discussion for sure. Yeah. I, I've got a lot of experience. Yeah. On that. <laughs> yeah I'd love to chat more about that. <laughs> yeah. So what is the number one piece of health or life advice that you could give the listeners right now? Maybe something they can go and take action on today. Mm. That's a really good question as well. The number one thing that I uh, that I think people should do 
go home, get a pen, get a piece of paper, and write about who you are. I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with, I used to look at what I thought success was from an external perspective, and it was from what other people were doing in their lives. It's not until you come back to what is success from who you are and what you want to be doing on the planet that will enable you to step forward in life in the way that you want to, where you're going to feel the most energized and electric and passionate. So even though it's, it might sound like a bit of a mundane task, but just you might just start writing down qualities of yourself that you have and just spill yourself out on the paper and, and go to a deeper place within yourself and, and ask the question, like, what kind of life do I want to live? Who do I want to be? Who am I? I feel like if you can get to that deeper part and understand yourself on that level, everything becomes super duper easy because you know it's coming from the most deep and authentic place that it possibly can. So yeah, get a pen, get a paper and give yourself an opportunity to have that time with yourself. Oh, I love that. That is such good advice. So where can people find you online or social media? Mm. So I'm usually on Instagram and you can find me at at MitchellWoods underscore. Uh, I'm also, I have a Facebook page that's Mitchell Woods Performance Coach. Um, I am working, I, I train people on Sydney's Northern Beaches. So if you're interested in uh, having a conversation around developing yourself physically, you know, reach out to me because I'm, I am training people uh, on normal beaches. Um, teaching meditation up at the Energized Health Club. So if you're interested, I'm, I'm running a, a week's course um, starting on the 10th of next month. So Energized Health Club is where I'm at as well. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of blogging. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. There's a blog on my website, mitchellwoods.com.au. It's and, awesome, by the way. <laughs> I checked it out. Cool. Appreciate that. So, yeah, that's how I'm sort of getting myself out there. Insta, um, Facebook, the physical stuff. We're training people, the meditation up at Energize Health Club, and then just really sort of sharing a bit more of the deeper parts of myself on my blog. That's where you can find me. Awesome. I love that, Mitch. Everyone, go and check out Mitch's stuff. His Instagram is super inspiring as well, so it's definitely a great place to connect with him and stay motivated and inspired. So thank you so much, Mitch, for being on the podcast. It's been awesome having you. I love being on here. I'm like super grateful to have had this chat with you. And um, I want to thank you because we connect because you're open and you're vulnerable and you're living your passionate life. And I'm all about that. Whatever the topic is, like I'm happy to sit and I love sitting with people who are doing that kind of work. So I appreciate you for all that you do as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mitch. You'll have to be back on the show. Definitely. Keen. <laughs> Thank keen you. Thank you. See Cheers, ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Metox podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to create a plan to reach your personal health goals, head to frandargaville.com and schedule your free functional nutrition strategy session. If you want to connect with me day to day, Instagram is a place to be. Follow me via my handle at Fran Dargaville. 
And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.